Hey, folks, and welcome to Hey Adora, your queer Shira podcast. I'm Force Captain Meth, they, them. And I'm Princess Jenny, she, her. And this is The Portal. It's the season three finale. Season three finale. Oh, Jenny, we've been doing this for three seasons now. Yeah, I mean, not all of them were full length seasons, but it's been a while. We are well into it. We are well into it. We are starting to get to the trauma places, like the trauma for us. Like for us and for the characters and and for for everyone. Everything's just gets more difficult from here on out, folks. (laughs) Well, more difficult and then better. More difficult than that, but hey, I, you know, it's a great story. It is. You know, it's story. As, as some people say, the darkest hour is just before the dawn. Oh, some people are really smart. All right. So The Portal is season three, episode six, the season three finale. It was written by Josie Campbell, directed by Jen Bennett, with storyboard by Jasmine Goggins, regent of Catchadora, Mickey Quinn, and Jessica Zamet. I like this perfect day opening. It's so whimsical. Yes, it's incredibly whimsical. It's so whimsical that it opens with Raz's three little moth buddies fluttering across the screen. Oh, which is a tiny bit of continuity from the last ep. I love that. But yes, it's a beautiful opening to this episode. Wonderful opening. We have Glimmer being played catch with. yeah, there's to doing this fun flying, teleporting mommy-daughter catch game. And it's so wholesome and adorable. And it represents all the innocence that Glimmer never got to have. Yeah, she gets to be a kid here. And she's like, you know, we get to see kind of Glimmer's kind of coded to be a little bit younger. Not that much younger, but a little bit younger. Well, she's and back in her season one costume. Right. Yes, exactly. So she gets to be kind of... A kid, like yeah, you know, she's absolutely more, ch- much more child coded than more we've seen her. So far, lovely. we haven't seen her body change at all. It's just costumes. Although she will look visibly older next season. Well, yeah, um, I mean, but it makes you know, sense. so far, the only way that we can see her changing is by her clothing. And it was something that I thought about at this point when I was like, oh wait, she's back in her season one costume with the little frilly baby sleeves, and it's more childlike. I thought about the fact that Glimmer is really the only one who has multiple costume changes throughout the seasons to show that she's getting older. Catra has one costume change. And other than that, most people don't have any costume change throughout the seasons. Catra has two. She has three different outfits total? Mm-hmm. Oh, so there you go. Um, Catra, you know, is the only other person who goes through what could be called a real extended emotional development arc. Right, um, yeah. And so Glimmer, I just, I just thought it was interesting because Adora... One outfit, five seasons. Bo, one outfit, five seasons. Mermista, Perfuma, Scorpia. Everybody's just got their one outfit that they're rocking. And you Glimmer know, you don't mess like with perfection. Four. So I just think it's it's very deliberate. It's not just like, oh, Glimmer's the one who's the biggest fashionista. I think it's the fact that Glimmer's the one who they really want to show her growing up through her yeah. clothes. I like that. I like that. Plus, she's a princess. She gets to have all those outfits. They're all princesses. Yeah, fair. Everybody's a princess. Everybody's princess. Except for Bo. <laughs> Except for Bo. Anyway. Should we get back to the mommy-daughter flying catch? Mommy-daughter flying catch. They're 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 playing some, they're having a catch as moms and daughters do. They're and laughing. They're laughing, they're playing, they're having a wonderful time. And it's a great so, show of trust, also. Great show of trust, and someone enters. 
there's a voice. There's a voice. And we say, did you two go flying without me? Who is it? Who is it? It's King Micah. Uh, it's Mike. We love Mike. It's our buddy Mike, aka Daniel Day Kim. Yes, Jenny, is, you wanna you wanna chat about Daniel Day Kim? Voice actor. We have so yes. many epic voice actors on the show. So I'm gonna give you a real quick rundown on Daniel Day Kim. Who is he? What are some of his best known roles? He's had a very long career. Some of his best known roles are Hawaii Five O. He was on for seven years. One of the main characters. My dad and stepmom love that show. He was on Lost which I have also never seen, but many other people have. He was a main character in Lost. And he's also had a variety of badass daddy to a badass daughter roles. He was Asami's dad, Hiroshi Sato on Legend of Korra. I mean, the voice of. Yeah. And he was also the voice of Raya's dad, Chief Benja in Raya and the Last Dragon, which is another incredibly gay, <laughs> all ages animated romp, which everyone should watch if they haven't. I've heard it's extraordinarily gay. Oh, you haven't yes. seen it? I haven't seen Everybody I know has seen it. I haven't seen it. it. You'll love it. Yeah. It's wicked, wicked gay. And so now we've added a third, making a trifecta of badass dad to a badass daughter roles as Glamour's dad. I love dad. this. I he love this. He was also on Angel, Charmed, Star Trek Voyager, Star Trek Enterprise, The Shield, Seinfeld, NYPD Blue, NER. And that's just a sampling of his most well-known role. Dude works. Dude works. He also received a Broadway Beacon Award for his role as the King of Siam in Lincoln Center's Tony Award-winning production of The King and I. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yes, he's done a lot of theater, and he also won a Theater Legacy Award from New York's Pan-Asian Repertory Theater. Awesome. Um, He got his MFA in acting from NYU. He was born in South Korea, but his family moved to Pennsylvania when he was one year old. So born in South Korea, raised in, in Philly area. And he also founded his own production company in 2014 called 3AD, which is committed to storytelling that features characters and cultures traditionally underrepresented in today's media. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. His company actually produces a show that I have heard of called The Good Doctor on ABC. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I've definitely heard of it. And apparently that show is based on a South Korean show of the same name. Cool. Yes. And last but not least, he's been on People's Sexiest Man Alive list twice. I mean, he kind of deserves it. Oh, he deserves it. He's a dude. He's a good-looking dude. He's gorgeous. So Glimmer's got some good-looking parents. Yeah, yeah. He's gorgeous. I would definitely put him on my list of men that I would do it with if I had to to save the world. That's a really specific list, Jenny. I know. I've brought it up occasionally over the years. Very bold of me, I know, to assume that, you know, all of these top-shelf men would want to have sex with me as a last resort on my side. Like, I would deign to do it with you. One of the most sexiest men alive, but I'm just saying he's he's earned that place. Yeah, he's a good looking dude. And Mike is a good looking dude, too. He's got the like yes. little salt and pepper in his beard. And he's, he's got just, the man bun. He's got the man bun. He's got the like he's wearing his like, you know, mage robes. He's he's working it. He is yep. working it. And so we have Glimmer saying, Dad, you're back. That's right. So where from from where? That's a good point. I hadn't even really picked up on the fact that like even in this reality, he is back from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, and I just felt like he was on a business trip or something. That's what I'm like. I'm like, did he go? Did he like go to the store? Was he like getting milk and eggs? Was he at poker night? Was he like, visiting his sis? Over yeah, was in, he in Mysticore? Was he at Mysticore? You know what? 
where was well doesn't matter where he was sorcerer's guild meeting sorcerer's guild meeting you know i i think he was going to get milk and eggs i i support that thesis yeah he was gonna go make a french toast for everybody yeah they just don't understand why they're so happy to see him because he's only been gone for five minutes but they feel like it was a lot longer it feels like it was a really long time and so we have them doing little daddy daughter bonding here where Glimmer goes up to him and does some magic. Is this the first time we see Glimmer doing like magic? Not like Sparkle Fist, but like Mysticore type. not Sparkle Fist. Her father's type of magic. Sigil-based magic. Sigil magic. Yeah, the little air sigil magic. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time we see that. I wonder if it's going to come into play later in the series. I wonder. I also picked up on that, that this is a reality where Glimmer has grown up in touch with both sides of her magical heritage. Oh, Because we've never seen her engage with any sigil magic before. It was on her own. On her own. We've, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She hasn't drawn her own sigil before. And she didn't draw this one either, I believe. Micah drew it and threw it to her a- and said, a- and think fast. It was like a think fast. Yeah. But right. like this, this Implying shows that, she, that this is something they've been working on together. This is a thing right. they do together. Yeah, she has a familiarity with this. So yes, and Micah says, "Oh, you're getting good at that." And Glimmer says, "I've been practicing." Yeah, and then Aww. Angie says, "Yes, she only blew up my flower garden once." And Angie is just over the moon. It's so wholesome. Uh, their love is wonderful. I love their love. I love their love too. I love the fact that she's so much taller than him. I know. I listen. Listen, as a short dude, I love me a tall, a tall woman. And I just love what it says about, again, reinforcing the fact that this is a world with no patriarchy. Yes. In a world with no patriarchy, it doesn't fucking matter who's taller. No, no. Or who's an immortal angel. Also true. Also true. It's just something that I don't often think about as a queer woman, but I have noticed over the years times when straight people have just made very pointed comments about how the negative connotations of being short as a man. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like It's very weird. It's very weird. I I, I don't. Yeah. But, you know, as as a queer woman, my vote on that doesn't count for a super lot. (laughs) You could be, you know, for for all Jenny, Jenny cares, you could be the sexiest man twice in People Magazine. If you're short, doesn't matter. That's right. I don't care. It's so, all good because, you know, they are both very comfortable with the fact that they are two powerful people in love with each other. And it really doesn't matter who's taller, yeah. who's more immortal, who's more whatever. Because <gasps> who's they love, more immortal? I love that idea. <laughs> they love and trust each other. <laughs> I, I love the way adults love each other on this show. Like the adult couples that we've seen ha- are like just yes. wonderful role models for like respectful and like caring and affectionate. Good like, communication. Good communication. You know, you know, two out of three of them are same sex couples. Like, it's all you good. know, it's all good. A- adult love on this show. We love it. We love you, yes. Mike and Angie. We do. We and love we're your very family. Happy that we're having this one chance to see them together. Yeah, you which know, of it's course, something that yeah. obviously they've all wished for and fantasized about and never thought it would happen. I know, and we love it. But you know, just like this show does, our hopes are now quickly dashed when yes, the we go- can't bright- stay in that moment forever. Can't when Bright Moon Guard runs up and 
you know, found a girl sneaking in Bright Moon through the Whispering Woods, but not on a winged beast. No. Not, no winged no beast winged here. No winged beast in this, uh, this version. In this She's version. Just, they found her trying to broke into the princess's room. And uh, Angie's pissed. And immediately, Glimmer is treated again as a helpless child. Yeah. Please escort the princess to her room while we figure this shit out. Yep, the guard yep. puts her arm around Glimmer's shoulders very much in a protective way. Nobody is treating Glimmer as a capable person Yep. in yep. this scenario. And Glimmer is okay with it. She's trying to figure shit out. But as the guard is leading her away, she looks over her shoulder and she sees this blonde girl being led into the castle in chains. What's up with that? What's up with that? And Adora sees her and calls out to her. She's like, Glimmer, Glimmer, over here, buddy. And Glimmer does not know what to make of that. This stranger talking to her as if they are not strangers. As if she is not a princess. Indeed. Does she not know her place? No, I don't think Glimmer's like that, but still. No, no. <laughs> Glimmer is just like, she's got her antenna up. Something's up. Something's Something is up. not adding up. The pieces of the puzzle are not fitting together. So and then we, we know that Glimmer's going to figure that shit out. We do. We do. And before we go past the credits, I also just wanted to do a tiny mini Professor Smartbrain moment on the name Micah. Yes, please. Because it's significant. And I feel like people who know, know, and people who don't would have no reason to know. So Micah is a Hebrew name. It's a biblical name. It is a shortened version of Michael, which means in Hebrew, who is like God, Mikael. So the, the name Micah also means who is like God. It's just a shortened version. Micah is the sixth of the 12 minor prophets in the Hebrew Bible. There is a book of Micah. That's one of the books of the Haftorah. You know, one of the books of the prophets that we read on Shabbat after we read every week's Torah portion, then you read a Haftorah portion, which is one of the prophets and Micah is one of those. So the highlights of Micah's prophesizing was that he was the first prophet to predict the downfall of Jerusalem and the destruction and rebuilding of the Judean state more glorious than before. Okay. So that's all interesting. Interesting. And um, one of his most well-known quotes from the book of Micah, chapter six, verse eight, um, it's sort of at the end of a long list of people saying, you know, with what shall I come before the Lord and listing increasingly grandiose offerings that one might offer, not human sacrifice, because Jews don't do that, but you know, all the best grains and all the best livestock, with what shall I come before the Lord? And so Micah's answer to that is, he has told you, oh man, oh humanity, what is good and what the Lord demands of you, but to do justice, to love loving kindness, and to walk modestly with your God. Aww. So I feel like that's very grounding. He's like, you don't have yeah. to have, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have huge offerings of grain and fancy things. Just be a fucking good person. I love that. So that's that's a for me a big a noteworthy aspect of Micah. And one other thing, since Endy is Christian and was writing from a place of Christian knowledge. Um, I also read that Christian interpretations of the book of Micah view him as having prophesied Bethlehem as the birthplace of the Messiah. Cool. Um, I like this. That's Micah chapter five, verse two, if anyone wants to geek out on that. So I thought that might be significant. I don't know. So uh, also Micah's a really shiny like flake on top of a rock. Yes. M-I-C-A. True. So it also kind of fits in with the whole glimmer, bright moon, crystally thing because That's they're true. usually shiny, like shiny, shiny and iridescenty. Yeah. That's true. That's a good so point. It could just be a pun. It could also be a pun on Micah. Yes, M-I-C-A. it could be both. It could be all of these so, things. I love it. Wordplay. Yes. All right. Yes. Yes. 
So credits, credits, credits. Are we going to win in the end, Jenny? I have to have faith that we are going to win in the end, even though things are very dark right now, because we have each other, man, and we have love. We have love. We have each other. We have we have queers. We have queers. We have queers being brave. Being brave and strong. And when throughout history have queers ever not been brave and strong? Amen. Amen to that. So speaking of brave and strong, we have we now cut to Bo, who's fumbling around the, uh, you know, opening the door, fumbling uh, from what I assume to be a library, you know. Yes, he's got this giant pile of scrolls. Yeah, and he looks like in a wonderful nerd. He's like in nerd mode. He's got his long sleeve, like Why white is it shirt. Why people always are wearing glasses when they're suddenly supposed to be more nerdy? Yo, I don't know, because my glasses are cool, but I guess also I have a cartoon podcast, so I guess that makes me a nerd. I do love your glasses, but it's not like there's another version of you that is less nerdy It <laughs> doesn't need glasses. It's like, oh, so this person's nerdy now? Put him in glasses. Yeah, that's true. There really is no less nerdy version of me. The one explanation that I ever thought was decent about what is this phenomenon of putting someone in glasses just to demarcate them as being more nerdy was from Orphan Black. Um, I don't remember who from Orphan Black said this, but it was like, why does Cosima have glasses when none of the other clones have glasses? Because she's the nerdy one. And the answer is yes, because she reads all the time. So she has eye strain. Yeah, that's what I thought it always was. Like, you're always, like, reading, so... Or you need the glasses to read, or I think it has something to do with, like... Right, I mean, you could need reading glasses always, but just if you don't spend a lot of time reading, never use them. Right, right. But I think that's where, like... Bo has always been nearsighted or whatever. It just never came up. Yeah, he's got really dope contacts. Or maybe he got, like, like, Ethereum, like, like LASIK. Perhaps. Yeah, he could have had... But I do like his dorky, chunky glasses. I do, too. They're pretty smooth. Yes. Although Um, he does seem to be somewhat uncomfortable in that full length shirt. Yeah, he does. And he's also not very graceful as we see him walking around, stumbling out with a whole mess of scrolls. And of course, when you have a pile of scrolls carrying them longer and taller than you are, it's going to be a disaster. And blah, 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 blah. Especially when your friend poofs in right next to you unexpectedly. And you just blah, blah, blah. They all follow. They go, whoa, you drop everything. (laughs) Right. It's like, oh, Glimmer, what's going on? Everybody's really freaked out today. So I want to kind of shake something out here about the universe that we're Mm -hmm. in. Okay, so stay with me here. And this is mostly just me like kind of verbally processing. So like stick with me, jump in if you need to. Okay, so I want to talk about this universe because the first part of this like, well, the the first part of this kind of two-parter the uh, remember was what if Adora nef- never left the horde so this but because the horde was then destroyed this part is now what if there never was any horde right right so what that if there makes, was never any conflict on Etheria. right right so okay so this checks out so that makes this like the perfect day for bright moon okay so like this checks out in this episode because the horde literally disappeared into the void and it restarted whatever like universe doodad was happening on the other side of Etheria. But we don't know what was happening on this side of Etheria when the Horde was existing. Like, we do know that there was a war happening because Adora talks about the victory at Thamor and the princesses are evil and all of that shit. So if there was a war, these would, this, this particular reality of Bo and Glimmer and Angie and a live Mike 
would not be in existence, correct? It wouldn't be like this. Right. This, this right. version that we're seeing in this episode is a world with no horde. So then this is a different universe. Because yes, this half is already of the like, universe. So this yes. already split, right? So Yes, this is the second alternate universe this already. Is the second alternate universe that Adora's run through. So she like runs from one and then runs into this other one. And the changes in the like the horde disappearing have much larger consequences than like, oh shit, Kyle and Rahelio don't exist anymore. It's true. Right. We have entire kingdoms changing and people are coming back from the dead, quote unquote. And right, as like, far as we know, as far as we know. OK, so that's where we're at. Right. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page about that because the world building is is funky. Yes. Yes. We have no idea what change happened from the last episode in Bright Moon because they were in a world where Adora never left the Horde, but the Horde still existed. And then poof, the Horde is gone and no one remembers that it ever existed. So they had a second universe shift. Right. So there was like a parallel, like that universe was still happening. So things were probably still miserable in Bright Moon. Yeah. While, while or the Horde at thing least, was- you know, things are still at war. Right. Right. Up okay. until the moment that the Horde poofed out of existence. Right. And yeah. then... But we didn't then, get to see what that was like. And so we have branching, also, branching realities. It also seems that they have no... Obviously, they have no memory of it now. Right, it, right, right. As soon as it's changed, they have no memory of what it was before. Okay, cool. So we that are... That was my I, interpretation anyway. Yeah, same. Okay, cool. So that's where we're at. More branching realities. The universe, topsy-turvy, cats yes, and dogs living together. The is just fracturing and falling it's apart. It's just fracturing and falling apart. Okay, cool. Dogs Thank and you. cats living together. Mass yeah, exactly. Hysteria. Mass hysteria. Okay, so that's where we're at. Okay. Thank you for letting me tangent on that for of a minute. Of course, of course. So let's get back to Bo and Glimmer, where Glimmer, you know, scares the scrolls out of Bo, and <laughs> Bo has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And everyone's really freaked out today for some reason. Yep, yep. And Glimmer says, there's a trespasser in Bright Moon. We need to figure out who she is. And she grabs him without waiting for consent and teleports them both outside the castle for some good old fashioned spying on the grownups. Yeah, which who doesn't love a little good old fashioned spying on the grownups? Especially if you can teleport into the rafters. Especially if you're Glimmer. She loves that shit. Yeah. And Bo (laughs) is already a little bit confused. Like, why do we need to figure out who she is? Like, this has nothing to do with us. Yeah. Why are we doing? Okay. And Glimmer, Glimmer has this vestigial subconscious memory of the fact that this is what they do. Yeah. So uh, right? here's something. She says, because yeah. I don't know. I just yeah. feel like I know her somehow. So we're going to sneak in and spy while my parents interrogate her. And I love this because Glimmer. So the people that we have that have the instant intuition that the world isn't right are princesses. That's true. So it's Glimmer and Scorpia and Adora are all the ones that kind of have the initial itch in the brain that's like, something's not right here. And I that's thought that true. was fascinating because they have that connection to Etheria. Yes, they do through their runestones. Through their runestones. So, you know, that could be a reason why or it just serves the story yeah. better. But yeah, I yeah, thought that yeah. was interesting. I think that's a valid theory that the reason that they have a more of a gut awareness is because of their connections to Etheria through the runestones. Yeah. That they feel that reality is not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a kind of a interesting little thing that they dropped in there. Yeah, that's so. very juicy. I also love that Bo in this reality is so high strung, has no chill. None. I, I kind of love that though. Like he goes along with Glimmer because he sort of knows that 
he trusts her and he's going to do whatever she wants them to do. But he is a lot more vocally resistant in this reality. I know. Than he typically I- is and very screechy about it. <laughs> he is very screechy. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I I love how screechy he is. His all his all voice cracky. Yeah. So they're they're there. There's you know spying on the grown ups. And yep, they poof into the rafters above the throne room. Yep. And they bring in Bondage Adora and, you know, <laughs> you know, more Bondage Adora. Yeah. And we uh, see the two thrones set up for the first time with both yes. Micah and Angie having thrones on that little floaty throne area. Mm-hmm. I love the floaty throne area. Yeah, because before there was only one and now there's two. Yeah, now there's two. And they're sitting next to each other. And Adora's like, oh, King Micah, you're here. You look different than your mural. And it's like, oh, my God, Adora. Yeah, nobody has any idea what she's talking about. Like, Also, what? this is a tiny thing. But I noticed that when Adora was brought in in the previous scene through the front gates, her hands were bound in chains. And now she's being led into the throne room and her hands are bound with rope. Yes, I noticed that as well. Yeah, it's maybe they're not important. Yeah, maybe they're just like, you know, when you go see the queen, we don't have Matt. I don't know. Yeah, the I chains th- were only for outdoor transportation. Yeah, now exactly. that we're inside, we're changing to indoor bondage. Just regular indoor bondage. Yeah, just your standard indoor bondage. So... So Micah does a truth spell immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you will be compelled to answer honestly. And I, I, love <laughs> I know this speech from Adora is fantastic. I love Amy's delivery here. Just the like straight up. I love how yeah, because this is an exposition dump, but it's so funny and it's so like <gasps> yeah. also you're dead yeah amy carrera is an absolute gem it's it's so hilarious um, and you know she it is it, it is it could be boring exposition but they make it fun because it mm-hmm. shows so much of adora's state of mind mm-hmm. do you yeah. mind if i just say her little speech because it's so funny Please do. Because it's all serious. You know, you've been yep. you've been compelled by the power of magic to answer truthfully. Now, you know, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing here? Why did you break into Bride Moon? And Adora's like, okay, uh, wow, this is going to be a lot to explain. But uh, I promise it's all true. It's deep breath. <gasps> Reality's collapsing in on itself because the portal that Hordak and Catra set off. They're from the Horde. Except you don't remember the Horde because the Fright Zone disappeared. <laughs> like just now. It was pretty crazy. It got erased by the portal, but I promise it used to exist. And we were all fighting them with the Princess Alliance. And I had a sword that could turn me into an eight-foot-tall warrior lady with really great hair. But the Horde <laughs> used the sword to set off the portal. And I need Glimmer and Bo to help me stop it and save Etheria. <gasps> <gasps> Brava. I mean. I love. I love. Um, yeah, I love that we still have Adora's um, hair envy. Yes, that never goes away. That never goes away. And I so there's like a nice little parallel between uh, Angela and Catra in both of these episodes as well, where like I do feel like both of them also have the nagging sense in the back of their head that nothing is wrong, but both choose to not acknowledge it. Yes. Um, so I think they... Yes, I, I definitely agree that Angela is the other person besides Catra who is most invested in yes. not remembering. Yes, in this reality being the reality. Also, I love the reaction shots we get from everyone after Adora finishes her long-winded speech because we've got Micah who's like, whoa. And then Angie who's just got her hand on her face in that classic like, oh my God, this is so stupid. Uh Uh-huh, yep. 
Uh, that she's like rubbing the the, the temples yeah. one. Yeah. So Adora drops this bombshell. Micah's like, uh, and Angie's like, ah, <laughs> who are you? How do you know my daughter? And the royal apprentice historian. <laughs> and I like that. She's like, he's an histori- a historian here. Like, like you just have it picked up. Nope. Got it, Adora. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just keeps reacting to things that nobody else understands. Yeah. Um, and then Micah says, I've never seen you before. And Adora has to explain that's because he's normally dead. And everyone freaks out because understandably they think that she's threatening his life. Right. And there's also like no gentle way to deliver the message that maybe perhaps in another universe that is perhaps the real one, you're dead. Yeah, no. There's no like clean way to do that. You're there's, not like, oh, by yeah, the yeah. way, you're dead. Like, yeah, it's not, you're you know. normally dead. <laughs> It's sorry, like, no, sorry you don't exist. Sorry to get bad news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so, you know, of course they think that she's threatening the king and Adora's like, no, like Adora is not. She just, she just knows nothing is right. And then brings up, what did you do yesterday? Yeah. What did you have for breakfast? Yeah. You know, There's like. There's a reason you can't remember. Yeah. This, this world, world isn't real. Isn't real. And I think that. That Angie has a, I think Angie is starting to like pick up on that. I don't have a hard read on whether I think she's picking up on it or not, but it's very clear that, you know, she has, again, like there are people who have a reason to reach for the memories and she's not one of them. Yes. Oh, I love that idea of reaching for the memory versus like like having the memory come upon them. Right, right. Like she's not reaching for those memories and a lot of other people are. Yeah. Like Scorpia. Yeah, exactly. Or Glimmer. Or Glimmer. That's right. Glimmer yeah. clearly is is not at ease with what is happening. Yeah. She's not content to just say, this girl's crazy. Lock her right. up. <laughs> so. um, and Micah and Angie are still really cute together. Micah is calming her down. He takes her hand. He says, Angela, it's all right. And they smile at each other. Hmm. You know, because nobody knows how to calm Queen Mom down like Queen, like Queen Dad. I almost said Queen Dad. <laughs> Queen Mom I mean, and Queen Dad. Yeah, yeah that worked. You that know what? Works. That works. That works here. It's Bright Moon. Queen Mom and Queen Dad. Yeah, that works for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but Adora insists passionately that she needs to talk to Bo and Glimmer, the strongest people she knows, to stop reality mm. from falling apart. You know, no big deal. Yeah, it's a simple ask. Yeah, Totally. Um, but Mike and Andrew are not going for this. We have a recurring joke about the holding cell, a.k.a. the spare room. Because, <laughs> you know, when King Micah says, take her to the holding cell, the guards are like, er? huh? we don't have a cell. What do you mean? And he's like, oh, you know, the spare room. Yeah, I like that it carries over from the remember verse. Yeah, in, like, in any into the reality, verse. regardless of what reality are in, they're in, they still are never going to have a real jail cell in Bright Moon. Yeah. So they they take Adora away and Angie and Mike have a moment where Mike's trying to calm her down and says, don't listen to her. She's lying. And mm-hmm. Angie knows something's not right because his truth spells never fail. Right. All of his spells. He is like the best magician in the world. Yeah. So, so how like, could he have done it wrong? Right. And he's like, well, I, I must have. There's no way that that can none of that can be true because who wants to like be like, oh, yeah, no, that, that I totally didn't fuck up and I'm actually dead. Like, And also it does sound crazy. I mean, it does sound You're crazy. You're just like boop, 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 living your life. 
boop, 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 sitting in your throne room. And then someone shows up and says, all this reality is fake. <laughs> and also <laughs> you're dead. <laughs> and also you're dead. Like it just, it, it doesn't make sense. It's reasonable for them to be like, this can't be true. It's reasonable. It's impossible. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it, we're still the beginning stages of, of being presented with these facts that don't add up. Right. Um, and then we zoom out. That very end of the scene is a zoom out to Bo and Glimmer watching from the rafters. So, you know, they give each other a look like, okay, we have accrued this information and then they poof out. Yep. And then. And then we move on to the holding cell, a.k.a. the <laughs> spare room. They didn't take the extra cushions out this time, though. No, they probably like, forgot. It's, it's just actually a comfy spare room. It's yeah, not. Yeah, it's a very no, nice guest room. There's nothing punitive about it, like when they put With Shadow Weaver in a there. Water feature. <laughs> oh, there's a water feature. Oh, I. You're right. This is the water feature. So wait, is this Adora's bedroom then? I think so. Like, so they just put Adora back in her bedroom? I think this is the room that is Adora's bedroom in the real world. Yeah, because... It looks like it. Yeah, so Adora's got the water feature, the water feature prison cell. Um, Not and a bad place to spend a few minutes while you're no. forlornly staring out the window at the imposing glitch that is slowly consuming reality and coming closer and closer to you. Sure, sure. And then you open up the, you know, you open up the little note that was passed to you by the universe that says She-Ra in it. And you just try to figure out what the hell's going on. Yep. And then your best friend, not best friends just show up in the room. Yep. Poof. Bow and Glimmer. Glimmer is already winded from this small amount of teleporting mm. because she has not cultivated her power as much in this reality because she has had nothing expected of her. Right. She hasn't had to. She's done it by playing, you know, glimmer catch with mom. But right, like right. she's done more. Ma it sounds seems like she's done more like magic training than she has like teleportation sparkle fist training. I don't know. I mean, that could be true. I don't think we have strong evidence, but the evidence that we do have suggests that she's cultivated her talents as play. Yeah. So Adora is super happy to see her best buds. But. They are like, who the... F now, listen, crazy lady. My dad doesn't mess up a spell. You were telling the truth. So what's going on? How can that be? Yeah, what and the hell's Glimmer's going on? And sparkle fists up. Yeah. She is interrogating. She's ready to sparkle fist. Yes. And of course, Adora is responding again in this familiar way. Of course you were listening in. Classic Glimmer. <laughs> it's like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Yeah. And we've never met you. Yeah, why are you acting like you know us? Stop it. Yeah, cut it out. And then Adora gives these like wonderful little speeches about how great her friends are. Mm -hmm. And oh, I just love this. Like she loves her friends so much. Uh, yeah, she, she does. really She's does. Got a really, really big heart. And As they're do listening. They all. they all do. And they're yes. listening. And they're like, no, wait, no, this isn't true. I, Glimmer's like, I'm just a princess. And Bo's right. just I feel like Bo. that's another recurring line that has come up a few times over the course of the series when both Glimmer, specifically Glimmer, but other people too, say, I'm just a princess. Oh, And I just yeah. think that's an interesting thing to dig into. Yeah. No, I like that. Because in our reality, princesses are, our reality being the real world version of Etheria, princesses are fucking badass. Princesses are totally badass. So I feel like that might be on some level a repudiation of the larger culture, our, the real human world that we are watching the show in. 
The yeah. idea of princesses being passive, being victims, not being action heroes. When really, even in real, in quote unquote, our real life, quote unquote, our real life, princesses are fucking badasses as well. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. But and you Bo know, is just Bo. And Bo is just Bo. And what I love that Bo first starts to notice things aren't right because his shirt is long. Yes. And his midriff is covered. Yes, he grabs and he's like, his midriff. It's like there's usually a draft here, you know. As he like, remembers that this isn't right. But then, you know, kind of snaps out of it, shakes it off, and says, But everything is perfect. At least everyone keeps saying everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. And then we have that. Everything is perfect again. Mm-hmm. And then we have Glimmer having like a flash of recognition as she has a flashback to when she was a little kid and she's holding uh, a stuffy Lukey. Yep. Um, looking at Micah, a mural, like yes. a rem- remembrance mural of yes. Micah. Yes. And it's clear from this little flash that what she's remembering is the fact that she's only ever known her dad by looking at his picture on the wall. Yes, yes. And also Baby Glimmer is so She's so cute and she's very little. She's like She's very little. Yeah, if that. So that gives us a sense of how long ago he Mm -hmm. vanished from her life. Yeah, and Glimmer realizes this and says, my dad, he's he's gone, isn't he? And Bo just goes right in for the hug. Yeah, they all do. They all do. They all do. And they have one moment of comfort. Yep. And then as Glimmer's, you know, reality comes crashing in, so does reality come crashing down yes. around them. The glitch. The, the glitch. glitch approaches upon the horizon. And <clears throat> No. Well, no, what's that? It's starting to happen here too, Adora says. Mm-hmm. We don't have that much time. And Adora's like, oh, we just have to fix reality. Yeah, so Glimmer is immediately ready with her resolve face. Yep. Much yep. like Willow Rosenberg's resolve face. Glimmer oh. also has resolve face. Oh. She's here for it. She says, so what do we do now? And they just have to fix reality. It's like super easy. That's yeah, it. That's all. Raz told all. me to go back to the beginning, but, yeah, I, but I don't know what that means. It's just, yeah, so they'll figure it out. It's no easy peasy, piece yeah, of cake. So, so. Bo has an idea of what it might mean. He says, okay, well, you said a portal started all of this. Can you think of anyone who'd know how to make dot, and dot, dot? <gasps> Entrapta? Boom, Bo remembers Entrapta. Entrapta can totally do it. They just have to get to drill. So yes. Glimmer can totally teleport them, right? Yeah, I don't think she could even do that in the in the real reality. She yeah, I don't think she can either. Bright Moon to drill. Yeah, because they had to walk there in the in like the first was it like yeah, the third I mean, or fourth episode or something. That was at the beginning of the series, and Glimmer has developed her power since then, but it does have limits. Yeah. So um, so that's not going to happen. Adora says it's it's all good. They'll just have to do things the best friend squad way. <laughs> so what does that look like, Meth? Well, they improvise. It looks like a fucking mess is what it looks like. They kick the door down. It's ridiculous. They kick the door down and just like book it out there. Yes, double doors both slam open simultaneously, smashing the two guards on either side who fall down to the ground. And just yelling. And then Adora runs out of there holding both of her friend's hands. Just yelling, run! (laughs) (laughs) And Glover's like, this is how we normally do things? It's like, yeah, y'all are. Yeah, we improvise. Yeah, y'all are a mess. I love it. And Bo is not having any of that. But he's still going along with it. Yes, yes. He's just going to make sure everyone knows he's freaking out, which is reasonable. 
It's totally reasonable. I would probably be acting like Bo in this scenario. Yeah. yeah, You just learned that the reality that you're living in, that you've thought has been the reality that you've existed in, even though it hasn't really existed for very long, isn't actually the reality that you need to do. So what you need to do is you go to find somebody that may or may not exist and fix this reality. Totally. Yeah. That would totally. I, I don't. That would probably freak me out, too. Probably. Yeah. So they're running down the hall until they arrive at a dead end, which Glimmer says used to be a door. And then we see the glitch coming up on this little dead end wall. The cracks are shining through. It's very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. We have more of these, like, disappearing doors like we did in the Fright Zone. And now we have Queen Mom and Queen Dad. Ready to rumble to protect and, their daughter. And 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 we see Angie Sparkle Fists and she's yes. pissed. She is serious mama bear mode. And it's, this Step is pre- away from my daughter. And this is pretty hot. Uh, it is. This is this is this is like my this is my gayest moment for me, because that's pretty hot. I support that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there are not a lot of gayest moments in this episode. Not really, but the ones that are in this are really gay. The ones that there are are really gay and also like really intense and sad and gut-wrenching. Yeah, yeah but this is a good one. This is a good one. So, yes. yeah, gayest moment, Angie Angie being a hot mama bear. Yep. Uh, and Glimmer and... has to step in. She yep. says, Mom, stop. Can't you see what's happening? And <sighs> that's when Angela has her first memory flash. <sighs> And she sees some real world, real world memories of Adora, who she is, what's really happening. And her flash ends with the image of Glimmer disappearing at the end of Moment of Truth when, you know, she and Shadow Weaver are casting that giant teleportation sigil and she kind of like sifts away like pink sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that look in her eyes of, I'm sorry, I'm leaving you like this. I definitely teared up watching, like rewatching this. Same. It, it's like, it's heartbreaking. It is. <sighs> yeah, this episode is gutting. It is gutting. Like all, last episode, this episode, these these middle three that take us from the first half to the second half. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, it is so brutal. We, we see a really great shot now of the best friend squad standing together in the hallway with Glimmer at the center and Bo and Adora on either side. And the look on Glimmer's face as she's looking at her mom, she's got, you know, this look of just desperation, wanting her mom to understand and see what's happening because yeah. she wants, I feel, and this could be me projecting, but it could also be somewhat accurate. I feel like Glimmer is desperate for a second chance to part from her mom on better terms than she did in the real world. Oh, I completely agree. And this is where Glimmer gets to have her apology for her mom before she disappears, just like in Moment of Truth. Yes. Um, And it's so sad. It's so sad. Yeah. yeah. And what happens next is is really sad. The <sighs> glitch, you know, crackles right up on them. The floor opens up and... Bo and Glimmer and Adora fall through the glitchy floor and then flash. It's all gone. It's all and the, gone. And the floor and, and, is, is back to being unbroken and normal. And Angela is on the ground reaching out to the spot where Glimmer just was. And her yep. eyes are like vibrating in that anime way to show that wide eyed look of desperation. And as she reaches out to that <sighs> empty space. Yeah, this is this is heartbreaking. And of course, because it's this show, we go right from heartbreaking smash cut into wackiness. Well, before they get to drill, it is hilarious smash cut to wackiness. We've got another little bit of interaction between 
Mike and Angie. Yeah. Because it seems like Micah doesn't see the glitch yet in the same way in the last episode, many people didn't seem to see it until they started to remember the real version of reality and then they start to see it. So Micah doesn't seem to see it because this dramatic thing just happened right in front of them. And Angela is on the floor reaching out to that empty space where Glimmer just was. And Micah says, Angie, what's wrong? Like, dude, what isn't wrong? Yeah, dude, do you like, do you not see this? Uh, He doesn't. He doesn't see this. Oh, and actually, I'm sorry. I missed an important line before they fell through the floor. Glimmer says to her mother, I'm sorry for everything, but we have to make this right. Yeah. That was an important line. That happens right before they fall through the floor. That's her. That's her space that she apologizes like yeah. she tries to she redoes the apology yeah, she, that she she's didn't able get to, do. to say what she needed yeah. to say yep and then we have that close-up of angela's face as she's reaching toward us the viewer in the spot of glimmer who has just vanished and then we're all wrecked we're all wrecked it's rough and then luckily we get to have some comic relief because it seems like the way the shifting reality is working they fell through the floor straight into drill yep and then bonk, here's bonk, where bonk. here is where we get a, a tiny bit of levity because you know everything's wackier in drill and we just have it trapped uh, i you do the entrapta voice i <laughs> you are the best at it thank you entrapped is there sciencing away she's got her mask on she's surrounded by her robot buddies and she just looks up like it's pretty normal she says hello do i know you <laughs> oh she's the not robot putting anybody house. in chains She's happy to have a guest. Just wasn't expected. Yep. Also, really fun fact in this tiny little scene, if you pause it, um, when Entrapta is looking back at them and she's surrounded by her robots, the two robots that are right behind her, that are closest to her, are robot versions of Scorpia and Hordak. Oh, that's a fun fact. Yeah, I yeah, didn't notice you, that. You. I have to admit, I didn't notice it on my own. It was pointed out to me. And then once I was made aware of it and I was looking for it and I paused it right there, I was like, oh, yeah, there's Scorpia on the left. And clearly that's Hordak on the right, even down to his little his little first one's crystal on mm. his collarbone and his little floppy ears. Aww. And Scorpia's got her little, you know, robot sticky uppy hair. Sticky uppy hair. And, you know, I love her it. jawline and her shoulders, like it's very clearly Scorpia and Hordak. Mm-hmm. You just have to pause it right to be like, oh, yeah. I love this. So we have this tiny moment of levity until we get we snap back to Bright Moon where now everything is everything is falling apart. Yeah, and, and Angie really sees it now. Angie sees it now and Mike is like we can get, you know, we'll get Mike realizes that Glimmer is gone and right. is like we can get her back and everything will be perfect again. Right. <sighs> and this and is I, a very sad moment for Angela. And I cried again because Angela turns to him and says, this is perfect, but it, my love, but it's not real. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely cry. Absolutely. Me too. And she puts her hand on his face as Bright Moon is crumbling around them. And, and she says, I miss you so much, but Glimmer needs my help and I can't stay with nothing but memories. And she kisses him and she flies away. So, like, at the end of the episode, we have, before, you know, Angie does the ultimate sacrifice, she talks about how she was a coward, but this is incredibly brave. Yes. Because she is, you know, 
she has not she loves this man and has mourned him for like years yeah over a decade clearly over a decade and she knows that things isn't right and so she is willing to like walk away from that and fuck that just to save glimmer who is real glimmer who is real and fuck that breaks my heart it is heartbreaking and obviously it's meant to be yeah yeah Um, and and then ah (laughs) after she flies away though there's this one little nugget that doesn't quite make sense at the moment and she flies away michael watches her go and then you know his expression at first is you know still confused uncertain whatever but then it seems like he has a memory flash even though we don't get to see it Mm -hmm. we've seen everyone else's memory flashes but we are not privy to whatever he's remembering but we can see something pass across his face Mm -hmm. and then he yells after her but she doesn't hear him and we don't really hear him all we hear we hear um micah yell angie angela wait i'm not (gasps) mike mike what are you not And he gets glitched what are you not? So we don't know. What's the end of that sentence? What's going on with Micah? We don't know. What are you not, dude? No idea. None whatsoever. And Micah is swallowed by the void. And Angela flies away. Yes. Cry- crying. And it's very sad. And it's really sad. And then we go back to Drill where things are less sad. Yes. Much less sad in Drill. We've got Entrapta with her robot buddies bringing snacks and drinks for her. All her new friends. Yeah, her non-robot friends. Yes. Uh, she usually, you know, she doesn't have, so she's not really familiar about what uh, non-robots yeah. eat, but though I would assume that she would know because she's not a robot. Right. I was thinking about that too. I was like, what do your robot buddies usually make for you to eat in Trapta? But maybe she's not making the connection that yeah, like other yeah. people she not equal to robots. She herself as completely separate from everything else. Yeah. So there's no reason for her to assume that other people would eat what she eats. Yeah. I love when the robots come to bring them food and, uh, it, you know, there's the presentation of like the covered dish and robot butler pulls up the dish and then garnishes it with green glass that like yeah. kind of looks like parsley or scallions yep. or yep. something. Yep. And, uh, that's hilarious. It was. And I also thought it was interesting, and this very much points to Entrapta's mindset, when she's like, oh, you know, aren't my robot buddies amazing? And if they break, I can just make new friends. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she Which, can literally make new friends. Right, but so it also sort of points to her not really understanding um, the fragility of life. Because with mm. robots, if they break, she can just rebuild them or make new ones. Right. But, you know, you can't reassemble a dead human. Well, I mean, yes, I guess you can't. You can, you can try, you can but try. They, would be, they would be an abomination to both God and man. Yes, you can have a Franken-robot a Franken person. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it just, I, I thought that was an interesting line, just pointing to Entrapta's awareness of life and mm-hmm. death or lack of awareness thereof. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, and Adora gets all revved up to do her serious, long-winded speech again. She says, Entrapta, you're not going to be- believe what I'm about to tell you. It's going to sound crazy. And we have the, you know, the wonderful, like, oh, is this about the unstable por- portal? And now you're not going to believe this. 
the wait what and then yeah. we have another great uh exposition dump yes because of course Entrapta figured it out even without yeah. memory she is you know collecting data making scientific observations of the world around her and she has figured it out also, I just want to mention that, like, so this episode was written by Josie Campbell, who is the head writer of the show. Yes. And one of the things that you notice in the episodes written by Josie Campbell is that they have these kind of um, unorthodox, humorous exposition Mm. Uh, spaces where in this case the ex- both exposition dumps like the big ones that we need to have are both humorous bits in a really really like sad episode that's true so that's yes. true so it's like a kind of a like a, kind of a marker of her of her own like writing style here yeah so. that's a good point so Entrapta gives us her exposition dump again about the portal which we've heard a few times and she's just sort of reinforcing the sci-fi rules of engagement here she mm-hmm. says, oh, I figured it out a while ago. An unstable portal is the only thing that would account for all the anomalies I've been picking up in my research. The portal exists somewhere in our world, and as long as it's still open, it's going to keep destabilizing reality, making things disappear faster and faster until, bam, nothing's left. <laughs> and then there's this, like, beat of silence as they all look at her. Like, and she's like, what the fuck? which is a bad thing. <laughs> I'm glad that she realized this. Yes, yes. She does finally realize that if reality crumbles, that she will also be dead. And she will not be able to do any more scientific observations in that scenario. And then we have Entrapta kind of going through and giving us some wacky sci-fi, wor- poor word, word, world-building junk science about wormholes and realities. Mm-hmm. But we do learn from this that the only way to turn this off is from the inside. Yes. And whoever tries to turn it off will be trapped inside this wormhole portal forever. Possibly. Possibly forever. Forever. Yes. Yes, she does say possibly forever, which means that she doesn't necessarily know exactly 100% for sure. Right. They will definitely be trapped there for a long ass time. Yes. Yeah. And we are given an illustration of a sad stick figure person in little portal jail. Which is very cute. Portal jail. Yes. And Entrapped is not even freaked out by the idea of being the person in that situation. Because imagine the data they could collect. Yep. Which is kind of an interesting little foreshadowing to when we have Entrapped and Beast Island. Indeed. Where she's kind of also trapped in like the inescapable place for all of eternal or right, t- in like eternity. a nightmare place. Yeah. And she's just like, but I've collected so much but data. She's like, oh, there's all this data. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a good point. But Adora is not satisfied with this answer. Mm-hmm. And she says, try to remember Entrapta. Ding, ding, remember. What? Remember? When you and Hordak built the portal machine. And then she has her flashbacks to Hordak. Yeah. And then she has her, her flashbacks. Lab her lab loves. partner. I'll give it to her. Yeah. And then she <laughs> remembers everything. Yep. And then she, specifically Catra. Mm-hmm. And that 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 bums her out. Yep. You know? Yeah. And yep. so we don't need to go through every line here because I think we should probably move along plot wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically she remembers everything, and then the glitch arrives in Drill and starts consuming Drill as it has consumed the Fright Zone and Bright Moon. Adora starts freaking out. She thinks they should have more time for this. And then Trapta says, It all makes sense now. It's your sword. The portal is centered on you. It's following you. Oh, because the, the, the sword is the beginning. And, and, and Adora is the beginning. Right. 
And the door and the sword and the portals would be, oh shit, mm-hmm. this is all coming together now. Gasp, all- gasp, gasp. What? Gasp? Yes. No. Yes. And so Drill is consumed upward into this upside down waterfall, Electronica mm-hmm. abyss. And it's really beautiful. It's terrifying, it is really beautiful. but beautiful. Yeah. It really invokes um, that old timey notion of awe in that fire and brimstone kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like f- yeah. something that's awesome to be filled with awe can be terrifying. Yes. yes. And then they get swallowed. They don't get yes. swallowed, as, but they get. As Entrapta is disappearing, she says, you need to remove the sword from the inside. It's powering the portal. As soon as it's gone, everything will be all right again. And mm-hmm. then as she disappears, the last thing she says, the smile on her face is, it was nice being friends with you. And I think I might be, again, overanalyzing, but the fact that she's smiling as she disappears and her parting line about it was nice being friends with you, I think that she trusts that Adora is going to fix it. Hmm. And that's why she's not more freaked out about the fact that she is disappearing from reality. I'll buy it. Yeah. Or maybe she's just indifferent. Who knows? Or maybe she's just indifferent. You know, it seems and it happens again later on with Bo and Glimmer um, as they're disappearing. They don't really seem scared because they just have so much trust in Adora that she's going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe Entrapta knows something that we don't like. Okay, this reality might be collapsing, but that doesn't mean we're not going to show up in another reality. That's true, too. So that's true, too. Entrapta could have some of that Zen detachment. Yeah. So the glitch consumes drill. And transports the best friend squad again. Yep. To? To, we go to the Crystal Castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they see stars. Yes. So many stars. So many stars. And then we see Mara. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I do have another question here because I'm kind of confused. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we're at the Crystal Castle. We see stars. We see Mara. So it's like, oh, and, you know... Uh, Rad says in the in the episode, and remember that all this has happened again, ha- happened before. Yes. Okay. So this part of reality melting is this coinciding with the first time reality melted is like everything like collapsing in on itself and then like saying hi to each other. Like it could be. Like yeah. Did yeah, but did reality there for a moment? Right, but they see each other. Like yes, they, they acknowledge do. each other. They do see each other. Mara yeah. doesn't say anything. Yeah. But we can see that she sees Adora. Like they're looking at each other. And also, like, did Etheria get like this kind of like reality melty when it was put into Spondos? Like I just kind of imagined it being like up oh, the world whoop, thrown into like, you know, like yeah, a pool yeah. ball or I, something. I think it's meant to be chaotic and confusing. Right. Okay. I don't necessarily feel compelled to figure it out. I feel like it's mysterious and that's okay. Okay. That works for me. I'm but just trying to figure yeah. out like, like this has happened before, but this if this right. happened before, why how would we have she the myth of Shira, blah 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 blah. Like so something yeah, the non-linearness of it is somewhat confusing. Yeah. And I guess I've always been somewhat comfortable with confusing nonlinearness. So I'm like, yeah, sure, it's fine. It's all yeah. it's all a big ball of crazy energy that's overlapping and coinciding in ways that don't make sense. Sure. 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 Okay. Also, so. I want us to note here, because we don't see Mara again for quite a while. When we're seeing Mara right now, she is definitely not white. Yes. She has dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes. Correct. Because when we see her at the end of season five, and I realize, of course, when she's in Shira form, she has the white blonde Shira hair, but mm-hmm. her skin tone has changed significantly so the next time we see her. And I found there, that confusing. There's a reason for that. And that's because there was a mistake in the animation. 
Aha. She was supposed to glow, but they made her glow too much. And then she looked like a white lady. <laughs> she glowed so much she turned white. That's bad. Yeah. Okay. But, that yeah, makes sense. exactly. And then they okay, were like, that oh, sense. that's Cause, bad. Cause but we can't like change that. Because it seemed like whitewashing. Yeah. No. Like I mean, intentional it w- whitewashing, which, which didn't make sense. No, it was literal whitewashing. Like they okay, washed it, her it, out it, it and it was white. It was an animation white. mistake. Okay, good. Yes, I'm glad correct. we cleared that up. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was and an I animation think, mistake. This sort of ties back to the fact that, again, this is sort of unsubstantiated, but we have heard in the past that ND wanted to have a Black Shira and pitched a Black Shira to the network, and the network execs just would not go for it because they wanted her to look recognizably the same as the original right, Shira. Right, right. Yeah, so, I heard it was the Mattel execs, but yeah, some executives. Yeah, some executives yeah. wanted her to look like the original Shira toy from the 80s. Right, right. Um, but so this could be like, you know, ND's rebuttal. Like, okay, if Shira's not Black, then we'll make the other Shira at least be a person of color. Yeah. And we don't want to lose that. No. So then we have, just jumping back to the, jumping back to our uh, yes. scene, we have Adora doing the resolute fist of self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Not the first time and not the last time we see Adora's resolute fist. That's right. She thinks she can save everyone and just sacrifice herself. Yep. And Chapter said, the portal centered on me. You're at risk as long as we're together. If I draw it away. And then mm-hmm. as she's saying that, the shot zooms in and we see her fist clenching as you were just saying, into the fist of resolution. And mm-hmm. then we see Glimmer's hand reaching out to grab her hand and support as Glimmer says no to that shit. Yeah. Which she, Glimmer's like, no, we're not going to let you do that. Yeah. She says, I know what you're thinking, Adora. You said you knew us. Well, we know you too. And mm-hmm. then we have a beautiful little memory collage of best friend squad togetherness times. Mm-hmm. And then Bo and Glimmer each tell Adora things they know about her that make her feel recognized and loved and seen and valued. And they're all smiling yep. at each other with tears in their eyes as Bo and Glimmer start to disappear. And this kind of parallels the scene in Heart Part 2 where we have Bo and Glimmer kind of saying, like, you know, Adora builds the kind of builds the thorn wall between the two of them. Yeah. So Bo and Glimmer have just disappeared. The last thing they said to Adora is, you got this. We believe in you. They disappear. They literally disappear from out of her hands. Now she's holding the air. And she's crying and yelling no. And she falls to her knees in tears, looking very defeated. And then, who should come along? Who should come along, Jenny? It's Catra, y'all. Catra shows up. It's Shadow Catra. It's Shadow. It's corrupted Catra. So we get Catra doing the forehead finger poke of animosity, and this shit is fucking on. Yes, this is this is like full on nightmare. I love this. So can I do paint a little bit of a little picture of corrupt Catra for the people? Yes. So I love corrupt Catra. I love I love this. So let's paint a picture of corrupt Catra. So the upper right part of her body from, you know, her arm up from the tips of her fingers up across her shoulder and diagonally across her face and like up into like just like the right like part of her temple is void black. Her one blue eye has been consumed by the void and it's all black with an all white pupil. 
there's like this glowing and then so we have that part all black and then we have this glowing like seam of the crumbling universe kind of dividing the void and her body so it's this wide fracture that separates the creeping void from the rest of her body starting at her lower right rib passing over her heart where it is actually the largest and then ending at her left shoulder Her face is segmented also by this glowing seam of the crumbling universe, which starts just above her chin on the right, moving up diagonally to her hairline. And a branch of it, of the glowing seam of the crumbling universe, frames her golden left eye, which has not been taken over. So that's what she looks like. Now, her voice is really cool. Yes. Her voice is fragmented into different pitches and distortions with each Mm -hmm. pitch and distortion layered on top of one another. So this evokes the destruction and corruption of her character. She's crawled out of the void a bit worse for wear and has taken just a bit and has taken the darkness into herself, which is breaking her apart. So her voice is broken into segments. What she says is broken into segments. Her body is cracked down the middle and the largest crack, like I mentioned, is over her heart. That's right. And the parts that was very well described. Thank you. Um, And the parts of her that are black are just pure negative space black. Yes. There's no shading. It's not like she's been dipped in black paint. Even in the case, I mean, I know it's a cartoon, but even in the case of like, let's dunk part of her in black paint, there would still be shading. This is like the ultimate negative space Vanta black. Yeah, it's the void. She is the void. Yeah. Yeah, I I just think it's it's important. It's wild. Yes. It's it's fucking wild. So black as, you know, the absence of all light. Yes, it's not none more black. Yes, yes. So here we are. Shadow here we Catra are. or corrupt Catra, either way, has has entered the chat, and she's eh. standing over Adora, who is just prone on the ground, ready to give up. And yep. what does Catra say? Hey, Adora. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Yes, it's voice. the creepiest. Hey, Adora most nightmarish version of those words that we could ever hear. So this shit is fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, uh, it's a total nightmare. And yeah. Dora just looks up at her. She is like struggling to process what the fuck is happening. Yeah. It's- and boom, Catra hits her straight into the crimson waist. Yep. And this is my only gay. Well, this t- entire part's pretty gay, but this part is probably my gayest moment of it because when she hits her into the crimson waist, Adora is like prone on the bar and Catra straddles her on top of the bar. Yep. Even in the nightmare universe, Catra cannot stop herself from straddling Adora at every opportunity. And like seriously straddling somebody on top of like an empty bar is kind of hot. So it's really, yeah, it's definitely very gay. So, and it's really gay. So this is my, this is actually my, this entire part's gay in like an angry angst, like mean lesbian way. Yes. But, but like, it's that's still my like, it's, that's, I think I'm going to go with that because it's probably the more fun of the gayest moments that I yeah, would have here. I'm, so I'm, I'm on board with that. Cool. Yeah. So basically the rest of this scene, they're just fighting through different chunks of reality like every time Catra punches Adora she punches her into a different a whole different place on Etheria it's like again like reality is fragmenting and so they're just fighting across a whole variety of landscapes they go from the Crimson Waste Cantina to the Northern Reach to Seaworthy to the Crystal Castle to the Fright Zone to Mara's ship like they're all over the place 
Yep. And the entire time, Catra is letting Adora know that this is her fault. Adora fucked everything up. You know, like... Yeah, Catra is finally just getting everything off her chest. Every dark, terrible thing that she's ever thought but didn't say for whatever reason, it's all coming out now. And Adora, for most of the scene, is just taking it. She's just lying there, totally unresistant, letting Catra throw her around like a ragdoll, looking terrified and heartbroken and just not saying anything. And... It, we so when we get to the, the one part that like kind of flips it is Katra wraps it all up by saying you made me this mm-hmm. you took everything from me mm-hmm. and then you know so that's Katra's like thesis statements like yeah you did this you yeah. made me yeah. this you made me do that look yes. what you made me yes. do she, exactly she's putting all the blame on Adora if you hadn't gotten captured your sword wouldn't have opened the portal if you hadn't gotten the sword and been the world's worst Shira, none of this would have happened. You know, yep. just like every possible way she can frame it so that everything is Adora's fault. And ending, as you said, with her saying, you made me this. You made yep. me do it. Yeah. You broke the world and it's all your fault. Yes. And so finally, and at that point, they're on Mara's ship. When Mm -hmm. Katra is standing over Adora, who's seated in the captain's chair on the ship when she says that last line. And finally, and we're in a close-up now in Adora's eyes, her her wide-eyed, terrified expression. And finally, after Katra said the last line, you made me this and it's all your fault, Adora's expression finally changes into a resolve face. Another Willow Rosenberg special. Yep. And Adora says, no, it's not. And she shoves Katra off her into the next scene, which is now back at the portal at, like, the the center of the tear in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now the, the end of the scene happens in this very dramatic positioning. They're standing at the edge of this, like, swirling abyss where everything is being sucked up around them. And, you know, the wind is in their hair and the wind is in the grass and it's all, you know, dramatic wind we have yep. seen before. It's just, yep. like, the, the environmental aspects of this could not be more... It's apocalyptic. Conducive to apocalypse time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cats and dogs living together, you know. Yes, exactly. So finally, Adora starts fighting back. She says, I didn't make you pull the switch. I didn't make you do anything. And so now she's finally fighting back. And her finishing line is, I didn't break the world, but I am going to fix it. And you, you made your choice. Now live with it. Boom! She knocks her out with one punch. She like fucking haymaker. That's yeah, Adora. No, that's an Adora. Yes, that's an important distinction. It's Adora who swings this crazy haymaker and yep. like knocks Catra the fuck down. And this is uh, the first time we see Adora on the offensive, not that's being right. reactive. This that's is right. Adora actually hitting Catra. Yeah. Like being assertive of her space instead of like defending it from yeah. Katra coming at her. Sort of taking on her own narrative rather than just reacting to Katra's narrative. Yeah. And then we um, have but the as two soon of them. As she's as soon as she does it and yeah. Katra's knocked out, Adora is back to looking, you know, her anger drains away almost immediately. She's back to looking sad mm-hmm. and crestfallen about everything that's happened and the fact yeah. that she had to do it. Yeah, yeah, she and does. And that's when... The ground finally just crumbles away from under them and they both fall into the abyss of light. Yep. And Catra fades away. 
Yeah, even the little Shira paper flies away and is consumed. And And then Catra is consumed like a burning leaf. Yes. Yeah, because she's kind of already consumed. Yeah, because everyone else like half that we consumed. see fade away, they just kind of turn invisible and disappear. And that's not how Katra disappears. Yeah, she just kind she's of She's having like, a relationship with this portal thing. Yeah, that she's... nobody else is having. That nobody else is having, yeah. So Katra, Katra fades away and Adora starts to fade. Yep, it seems like the end. It seems like the end, but... Adora's body is turning invisible... She's just falling through the void of space. Yep, and she's she's accepting it. She's like, you know what? Yeah. There is. I've I done everything I, I can do. Yeah. yeah, I can't fix the reality. Yeah, and and then we hear someone else's voice calling out, "Adora," <sighs> and who is it? It's Angie. It's Queen Angela. It's Queen Mom. It's Queen Mom. She's here with her with her resolve face and her newfound bravery. She swoops the fuck in. Mm-hmm. She grabs Adora and brings them both back down to this one remaining chunk of of Earth that exists mm. in the world. This is supposed to be now. This is reminiscent of the um the field, uh, where her and um. Where she Swiftwind. came through the portal originally. Yeah, yeah where her and Swiftwind are doing loop-de-loops too, yeah. remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was also um, a s- similar in apocalypse weather. Yeah, similar apocalypse weather. Yeah, and the, so it's like, it's kind of like, you know, the same place. And then, yeah, where she yeah, came in through yeah. the field, the field where she portaled. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. And Angela says, I remember, I know this world isn't our own. How do we <laughs> fix this? and adora just looks at her and then they Mm. both look up at the portal and so now we're finally seeing the portal clearly for the first time it's this this giant swirling purple cloud of smoke and debris that's all centering around the sword that's glowing Mm -hmm. and hovering right in the middle and they're standing on this one chunk of land underneath it that is all that's left of reality yeah, and Adora, it's you know, pretty fucking intense. It's pretty fucking intense, and Adora like lets lets her know what has to be done. Like, you know, here's where we are. This is the beginning. This is where mm-hmm. I came through. The place I came through. I just need to go into the portal and pull out the sword. I and can then fix everything. I can fix everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, when she says, you know, that'll turn it off, and everyone will come back safe and sound. And Angela's like, and you'll come back safe and sound. It'll come back safe too. Right. And Adora and can't even answer her. She just nope. looks away. She just says, this is my destiny. And we mm-hmm. get more Adora self-sacrifice. Yeah, but Angela you know. is not having it. Not this time. Nope. She says, oh, Adora, no. This is not it. And Angela hugs her. And I feel like this is probably the first time that Adora has ever experienced this kind of parental love and protection. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, um, Angie's, Angie's acting like a mom. Yeah, and, you know, they're both kind of crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adora says, but this is the only way to fix things. Mm-hmm. Thinking and that there's no question that anyone else would ever sacrifice themselves. She's the mm-hmm. only one. She's the only one, yeah. Right. And, and that's when Angela makes her speech, her, do you want to know a secret? I'm a coward <sighs> speech. Uh, and sorry, it's, it's really no, sad. No, don't <laughs> like, be sorry. Uh, it's I, gutting. This is it's this whole thing is gutting. gutting. 
And that's um, when Angela, you know, she she walks up to the edge of the glitch and she looks up into this all-consuming void and she has her back to Adora and to us, the viewers, as she delivers her final speech. Um, can I say it? Please. Okay. I can't. I'll cry. Yeah, right. It's it's rough. So <laughs> Angela, Angela's staring into the abyss as she says, I've always been the queen who stays behind. Micah was the brave one. And then Glimmer. Oh, Glimmer. So much like her father. And once again, I stayed behind, letting her make the hard choices, letting her be brave for me. I told myself I was being responsible, but Adora, I was just scared. And then she walks back over to Adora and she takes Adora's face in her hands, which is something we've seen Shadow Weaver do in a manipulative, icky way. Yes. And we're finally seeing it now being done the right way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by someone who's going to love you and protect you. So she takes Adora's face in her hands and she says, and then I met you. You inspired us. You inspired me. Not because it was your destiny, but because you never let fear stop you. And now I choose to be brave. And Angela kisses Adora's forehead and she leaps straight into the air to save the world. Oh. I know sorry. it's rough. I, Don't be I'm, sorry. It's I'm just going to groan the entire time. You're like, oh, it's I know. You know I mean, I cry. It. I cry every oh, yeah. time I see this. Oh, same. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the oh. line that is most resonant and that is most important for Adora to hear about herself is not because it was your destiny but because Mm -hmm. you were brave basically because you chose to be brave yes and that's not because of anything that was ordained that's because of you and who you are yes i love this that's such good mom stuff and then it's the best mom stuff it's the best mom stuff and then angie flies up and as she flies up she turns and says take care of each other Mm -hmm. which is so crucial it's so crucial she doesn't say to adora you take care of my daughter no she She wants them all to take care of each other she wants adora to make sure that it's okay for her to be taken care of yes Um, yes that adora is included in that care yeah oh and yep she's flies right up to the sword she's got her most badass mama face on she grabs it yanks that shit out of that portal energy's crackling out like lightning yeah and then as soon as she succeeds in pulling the sword out the energy of the portal expands and the whole frame just fills with white light and then once it's gone the light fades and the portal is gone and all of the energy rift is gone and only the sword remains and And we have total silence total silence this gently glowing sword floats slowly back down to adora who's crying of course like she's well yes of course but also like i love this show because it shows the hero transform like she transforms into she-ra the superhuman crying yes and similar to save the cat yes yeah the times that she transforms most powerfully are motivated by emotion motivated by love by love which is the opposite of what shadow weaver is always trying to tell her yep Oh. Um, and, you know, she grabs the sword and she does the thing. She does the thing. She honors the gray skulls. Mm-hmm. And-, and my last note for this scene is in all caps. 
The whole scene fills with light again, the righteous light of a big damn lesbian hero with her sword. Aww, I love that. I just have sobbing. I just wrote the word sobbing. Equally accurate. So, yeah, sobbing. And then we are now back in Hordak's sanctum, where everything is as it was before the the lever when was Catra a pulled. pulled the switch. Yeah, yeah, when the switch was a pulled. That's right. We see Bo and Glimmer on the ground, clutching each other. And we see Hordak and Shadow Weaver and everyone. The looks on all of their faces is like they were just braced for impact. And then they suddenly realize that they don't have to anymore. Yep. And they just kind of look around like, whoa, what the fuck? Yep. And She-Ra comes through the but portal. But before she comes through, Katra also is shown. And what does Katra do once she realizes that she's back in the real world? I don't know. You have to answer that. Oh, she that. grabs her face. She grabs her face to check that it's not still fucked up. Oh, That's the I didn't first even, thing she does. I didn't even notice that. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I noticed a detail like that that you didn't notice. I, you know, especially about Catra. I know, exactly <laughs> about Catra. So yeah, Catra is on the ground in front of the portal and she immediately grabs her face like, oh, my face, my face, I still have a face. Mm-hmm. She's like, I still exist. <laughs> yes, and my face is intact. Motherfuckers, nothing can yes. keep me from existing. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah. so... And so the prelude to Shira stepping out of the portal is the portal machine first is starts sucking everything inwards, and then a new shade of light starts to come out of the portal because the portal light f- throughout the last two episodes has been a warm light with shades of pink and purple in addition to white. And mm-hmm. so the light that we're seeing now is the opposite in terms of color theory. It's, oh. a coo- it's a cool white light with shades of blue and green, which is opposite huh. in the ends of the color spectrum. Very cool. So this is, you know, the sheer light of the portal. Right, right. And yeah. so everything starts being sucked in and then it kind of hovers for a second, like reverse polarity. <laughs> and <Yep>. then <laughs> boom, implosion. Everything goes pure white. And that is when Shira steps out of the light looking majestic as fuck. It's all very, very majestic. Everything is very majestic. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you know, righteous fury, basically. Oh, yeah. This is this is righteous fury. Absolutely. And she turns around and smashes that portal to bits. And then she gives Katra this fucking look. That's like. Get no. That she has just, never had before. Yeah, and she's never certainly never gave Catra before. No, exactly. Which is, yeah, 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 that's what I meant. This is she has never looked at Catra like this. Catra grabs Hordak, she's like, we're gonna get out of here. This is no joke. Yeah, we need to move the fuck out. Yes. And then yeah, and in addition to the fact that Adora looks at Catra for the first time with a look of, I'm gonna fucking get you. Mm-hmm. And Catra looks at Adora for the first time with genuine fear in her eyes, realizing, yeah, maybe I should not have poked the bear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no, there's none of the bravado, and there's none of the confidence that Adora is going to like be easy on her anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. This is a real, like, watershed moment. Yeah. In terms they of are... the line having been drawn in the sand, and their relationship yeah. has now changed. Well, yeah, because Catra's. Catra's wackiness now has a body count. Yeah, like she finally went too far. Yeah. For Adora to be like, no, no further. Yeah. And for Adora to have to turn on that part of her that she never wanted to turn on regarding Mm -hmm. Catra. Yeah. Like, I cannot let you go any further than this, and I will do whatever it takes to stop you if you're going to fuck like this. Yep. 
So that's a very heavy moment. Yeah, this is like this is a huge pivot point for their relationship. This is this is probably the furthest apart they are. Yes, this is the friends to enemies to lovers trope. We are firmly in the spot now of like, okay, so we're really enemies. Yeah, we're enemies we are now. Yeah. Legit enemies. We're not fucking around. Yeah. Yeah. No and more sad, mopey Adora, like, oh, Catra, I just want to save her. Now it's like, no, fuck you. Fuck this bitch. I'm done. Yes. We're done. D-U-N-N. Done. Yes. And as soon as that serious moment has just about destroyed us, thankfully, we move past it. Catra's gone. The best friend squad jumps on Adora, and they're all hugging and crying and laughing and i noticed that even when she's in shira form bow and glimmer still call her adora yeah they don't call her shira yeah i that they've like kind of moved into just have calling her adora yeah like in the beginning of talking to her yeah in the beginning of the series it was very much about like shira shira but now it's adora yes yeah their friend yeah and glimmer says see we told you you could do it and then, you know, the rest of the team flocks around them. We've got Frosta screaming, yeah, we did it. And they're all cheering and hugging. And then Shadowy reminds them, this is all lovely, but we better get the fuck out of here because Which, the shit is falling apart. Yeah, fair. Yes, survival is important. Totally fair. So they so, immediately go back into formation so they can do the big, big sigil teleportation magic. Yeah, and they get the fuck out of there. Yep. And Boop, back to Bright Moon. Boop. Yay, they're still so, they're still celebrating. Everyone's and happy, everyone's cheering. Hope picks up Glimmer and spins her around like some mm. kind of boss level dance move. I love it. And then uh, Glimmer is just Glimmer knows she's going to be grounded for like the rest of her life. Yep. So we should go let's go find my mom. Yep. And the look on Adora's mm. face uh. is again totally gutting. She realizes she has to deliver the worst news possible. Yep. And as soon as she has these thoughts and these feelings, she detransforms back into herself. Yes. Yeah. And she just uh, starts hugging Glimmer and crying. She can't uh, even say it. Yeah, and now I'm crying, so I can't I can't even say it. Yeah, no, we're all crying. We're all like a mess here, and Adora just lets Glimmer know that she saved us. And then we're all we're all a fucking mess. Yeah, because like no one could ever, I mean, listen, no one's ever really prepared for their parents to die, but no one could ever be less prepared than someone whose parent is immortal. Right. Which is why they couldn't kill her per se. They had to like, like Disney villain her, like have her disappear. Right. right. So technically she's not dead. She's just trapped between dimensions. Which is worse. Which is horrible because now yeah. Glimmer has to think about like what's happening to her. Is she being tortured? Right. Is she suffering? Right. It's absolutely gutting. But so Glimmer has obviously never been prepared for the possibility that her mom could die or go away. Right. Because her mom's a fucking immortal angel. Her mom's a fucking immortal angel. She was just banking on being a princess all of her life until her mom retired and went to Boca. Yeah. Like that that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, this is just absolutely gutting. Yeah. So as everyone flocks around to comfort Glimmer and they're all hugging and crying, the camera pans up from the moonstone up into the sky, up, 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 even further, all the way into the blackness of space. What? And then 
our tiny last scene is somewhere up in outer space. What? Who is that? What is we beeping? We don't necessarily know who it is yet, but we see an evil hand tapping methodically on the arm of an evil armchair. That looks evil. And it reminds me of the bad guy from Inspector Gadget. Yeah, Dr. Claw. Dr. Claw. I did not remember his name, but you never yeah. see his face. You only see his arm tapping on the armchair. It's yep. a classic evil, yeah. evil framing. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck? Who is this? And he says, so that's where you've been, little brother. Yes, a little blip beeps, lights up on his little space console, and it's a little picture of Hordak. (laughs) It's so weird. It's like, oh, there's a Hordak. Yes, as Hordak has told us previously, he just needed to get a signal through to Horde Prime. Well, maybe this is Horde Prime. And Horde Prime could do the rest. Well, yeah. If it's not Horde Prime, it's somebody terrifying. Because it's somebody terrifying. Not only does he have his own gigantic spaceship that looks like a space station, it's so fucking big. There's a whole armada of evil looking spaceships. And there's also a smashed moon that kind of looks like the Death Star. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is just very, very bad news. Those are, the, those are some bad dudes. Yes. And, you know, even the music as we end. It's like dun 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 dun. Oh my god! What's gonna happen? What's gonna? And then that's the end of season three, folks. Yeah. And when this was airing, it was. Yeah. Oh my god! Do we really have to wait for a new season to find out what the fuck's gonna happen now? We did. So the game has changed. There are outer space bad guys now. There are outer space bad guys. Catra's ostensibly killed Glimmer's mom, possibly, maybe. Not really, but you know. Yeah. She, she's gone Jella because of is, Catra's is actions. Has no, been taken out of the picture. Yeah. Perhaps, lines have been crossed. Lines have been crossed. Maybe, maybe Mike's not dead. Could be. What? We All sorts know. of wacky shit. And Trapped is on Beast Island. Yep. Yeah, yep. like, and now we're gonna have to contend not only with fantasy and magic-based shenanigans, we're also gonna have to contend with sci-fi-based outer space and technology shenanigans. Space. So many sh- different kinds of shenanigans. Much shenanery. Yes. Speaking of shenanery, hey Jenny. Hey Math. What did we learn today? Oh my god. We learned that no matter how prepared you think you are for life, some crazy shit can still happen that will knock you completely on your ass. Yeah. But when that happens, you can always rely on the love of your friends to see you through. Oh, I love this. Thank you. That's definitely something that we have found to be true. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. If you have a good community, especially a good community of queer people around you, then, you know, that community becomes a net that can catch you Mm -hmm. when you need to be caught. And you can win in the end. You can win in the end, even when you feel like things are at their grimmest. It it ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to choose to be brave, you can like, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or email us your recipes for robot entrees at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. Jenny, did you know we had a Patreon? I've heard tell of Uh, a beautiful, beautiful place in the internet where magical people get together. It's so cool! So you can become a member of the Rebellion and get fantastic perks, like bonus episodes, 
Discord. Our Discord's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, playlists and live, live chats. watches. Jenny, Princess Jenny's story hour. All yes. sorts of all sorts of awesome stuff. So if you want to join and hang out, you can find the link to our Patreon, as well as the link to this week's Spotify playlist, The Portal, in our show notes or at heyadora.gay. All the things are at heyadora.gay. We have dot gay. We're never going to stop being happy about it. We're really stoked about that. Yes. And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe. Ow! No, I don't have any hopes yet. Oh, it's going to be okay. We are going to win in the end. Hooray!